you know, you can't just put a game there. You know, there's a whole thought process behind it. Um, and that's what we're trying to fix. You know, we want to make it really simple. So if someone wants to go and take advantage of, you know, mobile and desktop web, um, they can do so just via a click of a button. Welcome to Tech Talks, your twice weekly technology podcast brought to you by the Harvey Nash Group. Today we're talking to GameBake and we're talking all about how publishers can easily get onto other platforms. Today I'm joined by Hayley. How are you today? Very well. Monday for us. A good day it though. Is. <laughs> it is. Tuesday when the day when, when this is going out. So yeah. you know. Start of the week. Fresh opportunities, fresh possibilities. Last week of the Harvey Nash Gojo uh, challenge, which if anyone's not familiar with it, uh, we've mentioned it before, I think, briefly on the podcast, but uh, our colleagues are running as far as they, well, running, swimming, cycling, walking as far as they possibly can um, with each country in our organization competing against each other to try and raise money for charity, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. Very lovely. Um, but next week is also Pride Month, and this week we've tried to encourage everyone to go out and run with rainbow motif uh, uh, trainers or a T-shirt or whatever it might be to um, to show that you know we're a, we're an inclusive, welcoming environment. So hopefully there are people out there on the streets of London or wherever else they might be, uh, given that it's global, um, brightening up the rather grey outlook and miserable weather with a flash of of a rainbow. You, that's a normal day running for you. I've seen your um, running attire. Clubber. Yeah, I've seen your attire, neon trousers, neon shoes. <laughs> I have the attitude, right? Is If you're going to go running, why would you go running in like red and black predominantly? Yeah. It's, it's an opportunity to just wear slightly zany things. I have, I have some incredibly short, bright neon orange shorts. Yeah, I think that's the ones I saw you wearing that time. Frightening. Frightening. <laughs> I'm joking. That's the word, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, absolutely. If if you're listening and you're one of our colleagues, remember get out there and wear something rainbow motif this week, and uh, yeah, kind of um, show a bit of support for our for our, our LGBTQI plus um, friends in the organisation uh, because yeah, well. If anything else, it's horrible out there, and it'll uh, it'll brighten up someone's day. Haley's nodding along enthusiastically. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I thought that was a yeah. No, absolutely, we'll brighten up someone's day, and we need that at the moment because the weather don't know what it's doing, does it? No, it's 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 shit. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's not beat about the bush. Um, so today's uh, podcast is all about game bake. We're going to dive into that interview, and then we'll be back with some commentary afterwards. So today I'm chatting to Michael Hudson, the CEO and co-founder of GameBake. How are you this morning? I'm good, thanks. I'm good, thanks, David. Thanks for having us on. Like me, you've just gone through a house move. Lots of fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if fun's the word I'll choose for it, but uh, yeah, it's been interesting. Let's say, let's say that. <laughs> it's one of those experiences that, that uh, is never enjoyable and in lockdown of the pandemic is is even less enjoyable than it should be, but never mind. Anyway. Yeah, it's one of the things that needs to be done, I think. So just, yeah, you'll crack on with it, just get it done as quickly as possible and then go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Look, very quickly then, who are GameBake? So yeah, GameBake, distribution technology. Um, you know, we're solving basically the problem of, you know, focusing on games at the moment, um, but solving the distribution problem that, you know, we've, 
found in the market uh, right now. Um, it's a very, uh, I think, difficult and you know, long-winded thing to talk about. To be fair, distribution. There's, you know, so many different uh, angles, so many different opportunities, and you know, markets globally. Um, but yeah, we're trying to simplify that really, and trying to make it uh, something that everybody can access, um, and you know, doesn't become an absolute pain to do. You know, something that can uh, be part of everybody's strategy, basically, whether they're distributing games across web, across uh, app stores. Uh, you know, social platforms and more, you know, they should be able to access that really simply and easily. And that's what we're uh, we're building and, you know, that's what we're solving right now. So specifically, when we talk about a distribution problem, what, what, first of all, what kind of games, what kind of platforms typically are we talking about? Um, and what is that distribution platform problem? What, what, what is the issue you're trying to fix? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're focused a lot on mobile gaming right now and, you uh, you know, there's this kind of fake duopoly that, you know, we've seen between sort of Google Play and, you know, the Apple App Store. Um, and, you know, there's obviously massive scale, you know, massive amount of users on these platforms. Um, but there's such a wide opportunity of, uh, you know, app stores out there across global markets. Um, some of them, you know, really specific uh, to, you know, certain markets um, in Southeast Asia, you know, within India, Russia, uh, China, of course. Yeah, so with Huawei App Gallery, um, you know, if you want to take advantage of the hundreds, you know, millions of users they've got, not just in China, um, but globally as well, then, you know, you need to get onto onto their store specifically um, because Google Play just isn't there anymore. So, you know, for us, it's a very fragmented uh, market at the moment. Um, You know, everyone focuses on iOS and Google Play because it's kind of the low hanging fruit. It's, uh, you know, it's had time to build a big ecosystem around it. Um, You know, there's easy ways to integrate ads, purchases, um, and monetize your games as well as market them um, and monetize, you know, your apps and so on and market them across these two platforms. I mean, that's something that doesn't exist really uh, elsewhere on app stores and so on worldwide. Um, And that's what we're building and, you know, we're bringing together. We want to have an ecosystem that, you know, connects into what everybody knows and I guess loves about iOS and Google Play right now. by enables the opportunity to take advantage of, you know, all of these other platforms that have, you know, hundreds of millions and, you know, if you include in all the social platforms and stuff as well, you know, billions of users globally um, mm. that are raring to get gaming, basically. So who's your customer? Because I imagine, look, I, I this is an area I don't really know anything about, but I imagine if you are someone who's producing I know football manager mobile and he's sports interactive. You don't really care that there's only Google Play and and an Apple because you you've already got a huge amount of the market. Is this is this quite small developers of games? Is is this people who, you know, really they they do need to reach as many potential customers as they possibly can? Yeah, I mean iOS and Google Play, um, you know, it's such a competitive market now. Um, you know, costs, marketing costs, you know, are expensive depending on obviously the type of games and so on that you've got. Um, but you know, there's not this sort of low barrier to uh, to enter anymore. You know, it's, it's, it's a marketing game basically on these platforms. Um, if you haven't got a marketing strategy on iOS and Google play, then, um, good luck, you know, gone, gone are the days where you could get an Apple feature and, you know, that can kind of be a, a good sort of chunk of your business plan and your uh, user acquisition strategy. Um, so yeah, you know, a lot of these guys, they have, you know, really sort of big marketing budgets, you know, they have massive marketing teams that are doing really well. Um, but it's now about, they've got to move to that next level and they've got to start actually thinking about how they can actually grow further and not just, you know, pull more and more money 
from the users they've got because there's kind of a glass ceiling. There's only so far you can kind of get on that side. Um, so, yeah, for us, it's about opening the door to, you know, new users that these guys don't have access to on Google Play and on iOS. You know, for example, with App Gallery, with Huawei, um, you're only going to get them users by going to App Gallery. Um, you know, there's 80-odd million throughout just Europe alone, um, let alone, you know, the hundreds of millions they've got globally. Um, and if you want to take advantage of that, then you need to be able to distribute to the, you know, to App Gallery, but to all of these other stores as well. Um, so how we see it is it's additional growth to iOS and Google Play. It's an additional opportunity rather than just, you know, a new platform for the sake of it, in a sense. Again, look, I'm, I'm totally ignorant around this kind of stuff, but I remember a couple of years ago, a game called Flappy Bird suddenly kind of ended up kind of getting <laughs> Classic. really popular and, and was kind of top of the charts and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Is stuff like that then, is it less likely to happen? Is it impossible to happen? Is it, you know, because those kind of things, that surely that, that ability to break through and go viral still exists, right? Of course, of course. Um, you know, you see it now with, you know, the last sort of two, three years, the emergence of hyper-casual games and, uh, you know, Flappy Bird, you could, I guess, could say, um, arguably, it's kind of one of the pioneer first games of them, you know, really simple to play type arcade games that can really sort of, uh, I guess, catch, you know, the user's attention and grow virally. Um, so, yeah, of course, it's still possible, um, 100%. Um, how probable it is and likely, um, it, it's unlikely really without you know a proper marketing strategy behind it you know if you're looking at publishers of these games such as voodoo um you know catch app and, and so on koali um they're just big marketing machines that's uh, you know they, they know what they're doing within this space they know what games work and you know they follow the trends within the market and just within you know just within culture itself to see what people are interested in what they're looking at um and then they follow that and create games based around what the user is, you know, currently, I guess, wanting to see um, and market that in a really effective way to get the cheapest possible, you know, rates and the highest possible scale they can. Is that damaging games? Like in the same way that a few years ago, people were worried that Netflix had their algorithm that told them that Adam Sandler was their most watched star. So they went and commissioned a whole load of rubbish Adam Sandler films that were awful. <laughs> um, you know, could, could this have a similar effect where, you know, games because because they're so constrained and because they have to be hyper aware of marketing and 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 gaming their own system that actually the game itself suffers um i don't think so i mean you know sort of the i guess the birth and rise of hyper casual um you know some might look at them type of games and just go you know but they're just you know so bog standard basic you know they don't think too much about i guess the uh you know sometimes the overall look and the feel of the game you know it's just about kind of pumping users in um, and then pumping sort of ads in front of them. Um, but, you know, it's actually, you know, grown the sort of the mobile, you know, gaming space in general. You know, it's, a, it's sort of a new entry point for uh, a lot of users that, you know, probably wouldn't have picked up a more mid-core to hardcore game um, just because they don't know what they're doing or, you know, they're not used to playing on mobile and so on. You know, it's, it's something a little bit too in-depth for them. Um, and these type of games are just that sort of entry point where, you know, they're easy to pick up and play. There's not much sort of thinking or thought process behind it. You can just jump in, um, start playing. Um, and it's from there that, you know, a lot of these bigger, more mid-core and hardcore games are actually, you know, getting their users at the end of it as well. Um, and it's kind of filtering up um, from, you know, these hyper-casual games uh, into these more, I guess, 
the bigger money gener- money generating game and in that purchase stuff that you see uh, with uh, you know the likes of for example Angry Birds or something along them lines, yeah. which you know takes a little bit more thought process and a bit more time to play it. So how does a startup out of East London and Essex get known in such a fragmented market? Uh, for a very long, <laughs> long journey and process that's taken a, a long time within the industry to get to know people, uh, you know, network. And there's been a lot of trial and error, a lot of failures, obviously, along the way. And, you know, for me, that's how you learn. And that's how we've kind of, I guess, come to come to game bake and, you know, come to sort of the realization that we can see the distribution needs fixing. Um, and, you know, there's massive opportunities out there. Um, you know, across social platforms like Facebook and WeChat, um, you know, across all these app stores, across web platforms and so on as well. Um, but it's also just disjointed that, you know, we've experienced it firsthand ourselves over the years, you know, making games that, you know, publishers uh, wanted on X platform, you know, they want on XYZ. And, you know, we've got to try and develop ourselves how we want to do these integrations, you know, how the ad's going to work, how we're going to do the purchases, how sometimes even is the game itself going to work because, you know, you can't really want run a, an app store game, for example, um, and take an APK and just run it on the web. Um, it's two different technologies. So, you know, you can't just put a game there. You know, there's a whole thought process behind it. Um, and that's what we're trying to fix. You know, we want to make it really simple. So if someone wants to go and take advantage of, you know, mobile and desktop web, um, they can do so just via a click of a button. Um, and there's a lot of work behind that. Um, but yeah, we're getting there right now. We're, we're in a really good spot where, you know, we're looking to launch now on May 4th and, you know, really sort of push into the market and show that the tech that we've built um, for us is the solution. Um, and it's, you know, building that whole ecosystem and a way for, you know, these publishers, these developers to monetize in new ways, uh, monetize and get out there in new ways as well. So they don't have to feel that they need to spend millions to get in front of users you know they can take advantage of all of these other platforms out there that exist and we can build back that virality that you know flappy bird had for example um across different platforms it doesn't have to be ios to be uh, to be successful you know you can yeah. do just as well on other platforms in the world so how did you get to this position were you a publisher were you a developer were you, you know you're yeah yeah so, so i mean a bit of everything over, t- over time to be fair you know um, I guess at Hearts, we're, you know, we're still game developers. Um, you know, we love developing games, of course, playing games in general and just, you know, getting new ideas together and seeing how it works. Um, but we have, you know, published games ourselves um, through sort of, you know, the years. Um, we've acted as developers, as publishers. You know, we've kind of somewhat dove in on the sort of uh, the platform side of things as well. Um, probably one of the, the few failures that we have had over time. Um, but in general, we've kind of, I guess, you know, had a had a bite out of all the pies in a sense. And, you know, we've experienced kind of every side of it. Um, and that's why, you know, now really we're focusing in, just really honing in on sort of, I think the issue that we find is still there in the industry. And, you know, gaming and mobile gaming, browser gaming over the years has evolved um, with the rise of, you know, hyper casual, you know, various different sort of gameplay mechanics and so on. You've seen that kind of evolve over time. Um, you know, with the mechanics and with culture and so on as well. Um, and you've seen that as well with the platforms. You know, they have evolved over time with different iterations of the App Store and, you know, how they've kind of tried to push apps and, you know, keep users, I guess, retained within their ecosystem and so on. 
Um, but one thing that hasn't really changed from our you know perspective anyway is just the distribution. You know, it's mm-hmm. still just as difficult to go from you know iOS to browser, for example. And you know, if you want to take advantage of Facebook Instant, it's just as difficult to do that now than it was a couple of years ago. It hasn't really changed at all, um, and it usually involves it redeveloping the game completely. So. Yeah, we want to cut out all of the, the messing around in a sense, you know, let developers and the publishers focus on what they're good at, um, which is, you know, games, basically creating top quality games and content for uh, players globally. Um, and let us take, I guess, the, the hard work out of all of the different integrations that are needed um, to make, you know, a wider distribution strategy possible for them. Just a final point, stepping back a little bit from GameBake, I mean, the, the, the mobile gaming market I imagine is 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 developing all the time. We've talked a little mm-hmm. bit about um, Flappy Bird, but kind of if I think about Rovio and other kind of publishing houses that really specialised in in the mobile platform. As phones get better and better, I suppose the gap between um, an original PS Vita or whatever they were called as a handheld, and and now when you see kind of um, Nintendo with the Switch, kind of seems mm-hmm. to be kind of a hybrid console. Is there a chance that? mobile gaming and traditional console gaming are going to be kind of merging slightly in this kind of crossover of one console onto the other and, and that'll change the whole the whole kind of landscape yeah definitely i mean you're seeing it with the advent now of you know cloud gaming with you know with microsoft netbox and playstation and you know phones now are so powerful that you know they can play these console games um again it's just about how you get them working across device and you know the advent of cloud gaming is obviously enabling that um, for you know many studios out there I think there's still a bit of time before you know that becomes I think sort of the reality for everybody in a sense um, you know you're still going to have mobile gaming console gaming for a, a good few years kind of as separate entities in my opinion um, but they are going to be coming you know sort of closer and closer together and you can see with mobile releases now you know some of the more hardcore games are you know, just as sort of graphically intensive in a sense um, on, on your iPhone as you would be playing on sort of 4K, you know, or 8K sort of TV with your Xbox uh, or PlayStation and so on. So, yeah, I, over time, I can see things sort of merging um, and, you know, sort of the mobile and console kind of somewhat becoming one um, and leaving it up to the user for where they want to play games um, rather than, you know, having to buy a certain cons- console or something. Um mm to play them so i think you can see that with you know microsoft and so on some kind of moving more towards the services model the same way sort of apple have done with you know apple arcade and so on um you know it's, it's less about hardware as time goes on and more about the services that you can provide people and you know that's where they're jumping in trying to get all the exclusives and get the ip that they can you know to make their service the most interesting uh, for users um by the end you know i think it's going to be a, a bit more of a software and services battle in the sort of the long term rather than a hardware battle well it's been fascinating to talk I, I really appreciate your time good luck with 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 kind of the the hard launch i suppose of game bike what what are the next steps of the business so yeah first is well we're getting the games out there really we're gonna you know start getting our first uh first content partners live um start really pushing them across the, the first sort of app stores and so on and platforms um so yeah first thing get it get it actually launched <laughs> that's the first thing yeah. uh, for this month uh, and then from there you know start to really show the market that you know our tech is uh doing what it says on the tin basically and uh you know really pushing these games and growing these games in new markets globally um where yeah we're adding additional revenues additional users and 
pushing these games to new users who might not have been able to download them before as well. So, yeah, we've got, we've got a long plan to go, but we, we're getting there step by step. Well, look, Michael, thank you very much for your time today and good luck uh, with the next few months. Thanks, David. I really appreciate it. Right, I think I think this is, is this is interesting because I imagine a huge amount of people don't even think that there's app stores beyond um, Google Play and and the App Store, and all you ever really see advertised anywhere are Google Play and the App Store. Um, so the fact that obviously when you think about it, there are millions of users that aren't really being catered for, especially in the Far East, there's a huge opportunity there. Yeah, I agree, because I'll be honest with you, I never really ventured much further than the App Store. <laughs> I haven't, it's honestly. I know that there is like a little bit of a gaming app, but the only game I play is Monopoly. I love it. The only yeah. game? Yeah. You are not the co-host for this. We should have had a quiche who, uh, who does oh, actually game. That's a lie. I've got this other one where it's like you, you slide the balls and, oh, I've got like some word game. Actually, no, do you know what? I've got a few games. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all from the App Store. They're all from the App Store. Yeah, they are. I didn't know you could get games elsewhere. Well, yeah, so I had a, I had a Huawei, um, not this phone, but the one before it was a Huawei, and it did have the Huawei store. But I'll be honest, I didn't really use it. But look, if you're in China, then you might find that other stores are more restricted. So if you're a developer, then there's an opportunity to tap into a huge community of, of people who might be really hungry for some great mobile gaming and great content who, who have to use those stores. And if you're not catering for it, it, it is a massive missed opportunity. So it's great to see a young business in the East End of London trying to do something about this and cater for it. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's brilliant. Because also, like, I loved how you said, like, you know, like iOS and Google Play, like, it's so competitive. If you want to get a game out there yeah. on there, like, oh, you've got, like, no chance unless you've got loads of cash behind you. It's not always the reality, is it? So, like, and like he said, it's like marketing. It's all about that. So, yeah, I feel like actually other platforms need to have their heyday, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And there is that point that, um, you know, you say it's all about marketing. There is an element of it's becoming more and more competitive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as, as gets pointed out during the course of the interview, it, it kind of depends on how much money you throw at it, which feels, feels unfair. And, and Michael is, is well, with, well, you know, um, within his rights to say it shouldn't be about how much money you throw at it necessarily. Um, otherwise, I suppose games like like Flappy Bird, which gets referenced in the interview, probably wouldn't have, have been the same kind of viral hits because people just find stuff that's playable. And they, and they, and they still, you know, they, I think the, the, the great thing about mobile gaming is that you do get these kind of sleeper hits that all of a sudden are huge, that it's just word of mouth, right? That everyone's playing something. Hmm. And if that's going to get harder to do on the, on the established stores, that's a real shame. Yeah, I know, because I, I, like sometimes you actually go on the app store and you look and you're like, oh, it's like, there's just so much crap. I'm saying it, it's crap. And like, I couldn't even find like something I like if I try, if I tried. Like, it, sometimes it's a bit messy. So you're so right when you say 
it's about word of mouth or I've played this game and it, 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 I've been doing this and I'm hooked to this and seeing it maybe online but other than that if I start scrolling through I'd be getting annoyed it's like how you like how you do you know how like you search for a podcast and that's really frustrating as well because you you search for something and it comes up with all sorts and you're like oh that's not great this isn't great obviously tech tools is great um <laughs> but yeah I just feel like that even like the search features and stuff like that like it doesn't make it really that easy yeah yeah and you're right like with any of these stores um it, it's podcast is a good analogy as they get more commercialized and more popular it's going to be harder to find the, the shows mm. that aren't backed sponsored whatever yeah, exactly. Like that, that's taken off massively over the last year. Like loads of people have bought out podcasts. So it just it's the same sort of thing. Um, and also, I just like yeah. the whole thing. I went on the website, and it was all about how like technology has evolved, but distribution hasn't. Like that's just it's just so true. I mean, in black and white, isn't it? Because there's so much, many like, more people that could be having much more opportunity. And I'm looking forward mm. to seeing it happen. I it made me Absolutely. when I read the website, I actually thought I'm going to make a game not a developer how do i do it not a developer doesn't really play many games as we discovered but is motivated now to make one yeah and i've got good ideas well if anyone doesn't know <laughs> Haley has a, a a side business of skincare products so maybe it should be some kind of like makeup <laughs> tutorial game there you go and sunglasses oh yeah that's true that's true sunglasses sunglasses is harder i mean it would be easier if it was like Makeup virtual, artist. virtual sunglass try on. I'd love that. They already exist. Oh, maybe I haven't got great ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Do right. they? I've never even yeah. tried that. What website? Go go online. Most of them. <laughs> oh, I'm well behind the curve. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back uh, with some travel gadgets for your holidays. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They've started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. Right, so we are able to tentatively travel around and I noticed a list of the best gadgets to pack into your holiday this summer. And most of them, I'll be perfectly honest, uh, are quite boring a few of them aren't. Some of them, travel adapters, um, power banks. Um, there's even, really excitingly, a, uh, a, a cable tidy bag. You know, really, really practical, but boring stuff. So, Haley, I just wanted to say, you know, bit of bit of travel tech or a bit of a gadget that you'd take away on holiday with you. What would you choose? Well, out of the ones you just said? No, out of anything. Bloody hell, put me on the spot. Can I have a couple of minutes yeah. to research? <laughs> You're like, yeah, no. go on. Okay, bear with. Okay, right, I'm going to... It's not a gadget, but I've got an idea. Go on. So I saw on this website once, I think it was Firebox, actually. 
oh, there you go, a little feature. Um, and it was like, it's not even technology or a gadget. I don't know if this is the but I can't believe this is the only thing that's coming to mind. I mean, AirPods can't live without them. AirPods? Are they AirPods or AirPods? AirPods. AirPods, yeah. Um, can't live without them. That's technology. But also, there's like this plastic. It looks like a sun cream bottle, but it fits your wallet and everything in. So when you go to the beach, it just looks like there's a sun cream bottle with your wallet and stuff there. You know, like how you can get those secret tins that go in your cupboard. Completely irrelevant to technology, I know. But I mean, it is. I know it's using plastic, and that's not great. But I'm just thinking, you know, no one's going to get your wallet and your phone stolen. Fair enough. You're thinking Fair enough. this went off topic. <laughs> <laughs> I asked for your opinion. You gave it. I can't yeah. control what, the quality sorry, of the show when then? it's unscripted. Yeah, no. What was yours then? The bit that's edited out is Haley thought that there would be something really good if you could put your phone in it and take take pictures of fish. I actually bought one of those when I went on a holiday. So I think that was a good idea, but no one knows that you said that. So No, yeah. I've got one too. <laughs> I love it. But it gets a bit steamy, so we need like a dehumidifier version. I'll tell you what is good, always good, a really decent portable speaker. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always there. When you're on a beach, you want something that connects to your phone easily but doesn't sound tinny, on the beach. Long-lasting battery life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially if it's quite quiet beach and there's no one too close to you. So you can have the music up, you can hear it, but you're not pissing everybody else off. Because to be perfectly frank, Hayley, I don't want to listen to your music or listen to my music. Yeah, I'm all for pissing people off on the beach. (laughs) (laughs) Whilst wearing your sunglasses. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be there like, I might just start to set up a little stool around me. Who wants to buy some? There you go. There you go. Oh, I'm money making on holiday now. No, I would never do that. You're you're one of those beach hawkers. (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Right. With that, I think that we will say goodbye, enjoy your week, and hopefully by the end of it, we might see a little bit more sunshine. See ya. I don't care. I'm not company.